Hope you're ready to dive into another one of Jesus' stories as he tells it in the Gospels as we are walking through this series on the parables of Jesus. We are going to do a little bit of a rewind this morning and we're going to go back to Matthew chapter 13. So if you've got your Bibles, find Matthew 13. This is where we started and we're going to go back a little ways. And Matthew chapter 13 is a, uh, a big part of the beginning of this parable teaching ministry that Jesus started. Actually, in chapter 13 of Matthew, there are seven different parable stories that Jesus tells. And you remember, if you go back to the beginning and remember with me, between chapter 12 and chapter 13 was where Jesus began to switch his method of teaching to parables. You remember before then, he, he, he was very... Plain and upfront and forward with the truth, but then because of the rejection that he encountered, he pronounced judgment on those who rejected him by teaching in parables. And he did that, did that to do two different things to reveal the truth of the kingdom to the ones who believed, and then at the same time, he was concealing that truth from the ones who had rejected him with hard hearts. And so you remember Matthew 13 is where we find the parable of the four soils, which is the first story that we looked at. And Jesus follows that with another parable about farming. And this parable that we're going to look at today, also similar to the parable of the four soils, Jesus gives an explanation in the scriptures. The gospel writers provide us with that one-on-one explanation that Jesus gives to his followers. And so we're going to go back to Matthew 13, and we're going to start in verse 24 and look at a new story. So Matthew 24, I mean Matthew 13, verse 24 says, Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. And the servants asked him, Do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered. Because while you were pulling the weeds... You may uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned. Then gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. Now Jesus has just told a parable explaining how the gospel takes root and produces a harvest in our hearts with the four soils. And he says that sometimes that seed of the gospel takes root and it produces a supernatural crop, but then many times it does not penetrate the soil and it does not produce a crop. That, that parable is what happens <clears throat> to the good seed. But this story focuses not so much on the good seed, but this story's focus is on 
the bad seed. And as we read this story, we should be careful not to try to connect the two too much. The parable of the soils doesn't necessarily mean the same thing as the parable that we're reading today. Each parable has its own truth that Jesus is trying to communicate. So this is a new farming story where Jesus is trying to communicate a new truth to us. And here's the difference. In the story of the soils, that story is about God planting the gospel in the hearts of people. This parable is about God planting his people in the world. Get the difference? The first story is about God planting the gospel in the hearts of people. The second story is about God planting people in the world. So the story goes, a farmer sows good seed in his field that had been prepared, and he discovered lots and lots of weeds growing in his good wheat crop. In your translation, when you read it from your Bible, it may call them tares, and many of us have heard this story referred to as the parable of the wheat and the tares. Now, we don't use the word tares very much anymore. And so that's why I've chosen to entitle the message, The Story of the Wheat and the Weeds. Because essentially, when you read that word tares, that's what a tear is. It's a weed. The bad seed that Jesus is describing here is, in this culture a variety of weed that's called a darnel weed. And it's very difficult to distinguish from real wheat, um, especially for someone who's not very trained in farming. I've actually got a picture I want you to see. of This is a picture of tares or that darnel weed that grew and then a picture of wheat. Now, just, I'm just curious, which one do you think is which? Which one do you think is the good wheat? The right or the left? Mm, you think the one on the right is the, good, is the good wheat, and the one on the left is the, is the weed, right? Well, you're wrong. The one on this side, I have to turn around so that I'm, I'm, my direction is awful. The one on this side... This is the wheat. The one over there, that's the tear. That's the, the weed. That Darnell weed. Okay? So you can tell from, um, you don't need to go plant weed anytime soon. Or neither do I. Because it's, it's difficult um, to tell those apart. And so if you've got a wheat field, now this is young wheat. Okay? This is not fully developed, ready to harvest. Either one of these. This is, this is very young in its, in its growth. But you can see how it would be difficult, especially in a field full of this all mixed together, it would be tricky to be able to tell one from the other. So how does the weed get there in the story? Well, Jesus says that an enemy has come into the field and sown this bad seed. The, the seed of this weed is like these little black seeds. And he's come in and sown them while the farmer and his workers are sleeping. He's come in at night. This isn't an uncommon thing. In today's culture, if you get angry with somebody 
and you want to get even with them, we do stuff like key somebody's car, right? I mean, you're like, ooh, yeah, people do that. I've never done it. But you key somebody's car, or you might slash their tires, or, or you know, something, um, something like that. You might... Um, what, what, was, what was the other thing? Oh, you, um, you egg people's houses too, right? Like that kind of thing, I'm thinking. Like if you, you want to get revenge on somebody, that's the kind of stuff we do. And it's pretty common to, to hear about that. Um, in this culture, this is what you would do. If you made an enemy and they had a wheat field, the way you got revenge on them was you, I mean, people literally did this. And they even did it so much, it was such a common thing that the Romans actually had a law that spoke against doing this to somebody's field. There was actually a law on the books for what happened to you if you got caught doing this. So it was a common thing. You would go into somebody's field at night while they were sleeping and you would scatter the seed of this particular weed all through their wheat field. Because when, when it started to grow, the weeds would grow up in it and it would, it would sabotage. This was a sabotage is what it was. It would destroy or greatly reduce the value of someone's wheat crop. So because their master had been sabotaged, the story Jesus tells is that the servants came to him. Once they found, they went out in the field and, the, and, and they started to bloom up. And, and they're like, look, there's all kinds of weeds in the field. How did they get there? And, and the owner says, an enemy came and sowed them. And then the response of the servants is what? Well, do you want us to go in and get rid of them? Do you want us to go into the field and start removing the weeds and start cutting them down? And the owner tells him, no. He says, don't. Don't do that. And he gives them a reason. He says, because while you're pulling up the weeds, you may uproot and pull out the wheat with it. Well, why would he say that? Well, one is it's hard to tell the difference. Right? If someone who was not a trained harvester went into the field and just thought they were pulling up tares, they may really be pulling up wheat. So you, have to, you had to really be able to tell the difference. And he says, it's, you, you, don't, you guys don't, like, I, I appreciate the fact that you, you want to help me, but you're not ready for that. This is not, it's not your job. I don't, I don't want you to go and do that because unknowingly you may uproot wheat while you're trying to pull weeds. They weren't trained enough. They didn't know the difference. And you say, well, when do you know the difference? You don't know the difference until it's ready to harvest. Because the more the wheat grows and the more the weed grows... It, they become more and more distinct and they start to look more and more different and it becomes easier to tell the difference. So in verse 30, the owner tells the servants to let them remain and let them grow together until it's time for the harvest. Because he basically says you're going to do more damage if you go in and try to pull them out now. Just leave them. 
Let them grow together. And then he says he will instruct the harvesters. The harvesters were the ones who were trained. Those were, they were the ones who knew what they were doing. And he says, when the harvest time comes, then I'll instruct the harvesters to go in, cut out the weeds, bundle them together, and burn them. But gather my wheat together and bring it into my barn. This is a very simple story. This is a story of the familiar. Again, Jesus uses familiar elements to teach spiritual truth. Yet, for those who were who weren't seeking the kingdom, again, this story wouldn't make a lot of sense. They would hear Jesus tell this story and think, well, what, what, does, what does that mean? What does that have to do with anything? So, just like Jesus said, just like before, afterwards, he's down with his disciples, and he begins to share with them, the meaning of the story. Look down now in verse 36. Skip down to verse 36. Then he left the crowd and went into the house. And his disciples came to him and said, Explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. And he answered, The one who sowed the good seed is the Son of Man. The field is the world. And the good seed stands for the people of the kingdom. The weeds are the people of the evil one. And the enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age. And the harvesters are angels. Now the first thing I want you to notice in this conversation that Jesus has with the disciples Outside of the large group. Remember, he tells the parable to the large group. And then when they get together privately, they say, Jesus, teach us. Tell us. Explain to us what that story meant. But you notice what they called it? They say in verse 36, explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. They don't call it the parable of the wheat and the weeds. Do you know why? Because they knew that this story wasn't really about the wheat. This story was really about the weeds. And they say, Jesus, tell us a story about the weeds. That shows us that even though they didn't really fully understand because they had heard Jesus teach and because they were following him, they knew a little bit of the focus. They kind of knew where Jesus was going. They knew that this was a story that was going to be focused on the bad seed and the weeds, not the wheat. And so Jesus starts to explain the parable. And I love how Jesus just comes right out and says, this stands for this and this stands for this and this stands for this. Like he, he doesn't really waste any time. But he very succinctly identifies each representation of the story. And so I want us to think through those things. First, he says that the one who sowed the good seed was the son of man. That's him. He says, I am the one who sows the good seed. The good seed represents the people of the kingdom. And you'll notice that time and time again in all of Scripture, all that God does and everything that he brings into the world is always good. You ever notice that? He says, I'm the farmer, the one who sowed good seed seed. Even from the very beginning, 
in creation. Each day, as he created the world, the scripture says he looked at it and said, it was what? It's good. He sows good seed in the world. And how the Jews would have heard this story. See, the Jews assumed that they made up the entirety of the kingdom. And that they and only they were the good seed. When they heard Jesus say good seed, they thought, well, that's us. And that's just us. Everybody else is not the good seed. We're the chosen ones. So he must be talking about us. But then Jesus says that the field represents the world. The entire world. Now there are some preachers, and I've heard sermons like about this story growing up, and I've heard other preachers preach about it. Some, pe- some preachers will try to say that the field is the church. And say that, that Jesus is talking about the church, and how there are believers and non-believers all mixed up together in the church, and it's hard to tell them apart. Well, that may be true. But Jesus very plainly says in this text, the field represents the world, not just the church. And the picture that Jesus paints here is a picture of the church in the world, not the world in the church. Okay? So can can you kind of tell the difference here? he, He paints a picture of of the field being the world. And we as believers, as people of the kingdom, are sown into the world. Not that weeds are sown into the church. And the people of the kingdom are everywhere. They're all over the world. Jesus said that the field represents the world. You realize that the United States is not the only place where people love Jesus, right? You realize that this is not the only place where there are people who have given their lives to the gospel. Actually, most of the world knows how to follow Jesus better than we do. They just do. Because they, they understand the things that the gospel requires. And they are willing to give it sometimes even more so than us. But the kingdom is all over the world. And this would have shocked the Jews who heard Jesus say this because, again, they thought they were the only ones who made up the kingdom. The weeds represent the people of the evil one, and the enemy who sows them is Satan, the devil himself. So the field is the world that belongs to God. Are you with me? And it's a place where God has sown the people of his kingdom And God continues to sow the good seed of his people in the kingdom more and more as more people become followers of Christ. As more people believe the gospel, he continues to sow the good seed into the world and the field, which belongs to him. But even from the very beginning, there was an enemy. Right? And as Satan slipped into the garden... And as he deceived Adam and Eve, the seed of sin entered into the world and it began to be scattered. 
And when Jesus says that the enemy came into the field and scattered the seed, it's the same illustration as I told you when the farmer sowed the seed in the field in the parable of the soils. Not, it's not just drop a seed here and drop a seed here. It's generous amounts of seed that are thrown everywhere. And so Jesus says, Satan has come into my world as the enemy and has sown bad seed. I think if you look at the state of the world with me, that you would agree that it seems like the weeds of the enemy are greatly outnumbering the wheat of the kingdom in the world. You think so? When you look at the field, sometimes it seems like there's very little wheat growing. It's a lot of weeds. And there are some places in the world where it seems like it's only weeds. Like where where is the wheat? So you know that the enemy has been diligent in his sabotage of God's plan in the world. He has scattered lots and lots of seed. And then Jesus identifies the last two elements of the story. The harvest represents the end of the age, the judgment. And the harvesters represent the angels. If you go to Matthew 24, verses 30 and 31, this is what Jesus says about the end of the age and about the angels' role in it. In verse 30 of Matthew 24, He says, then will appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. And then all the peoples of the earth will mourn when they see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. You know why the world is going to mourn when they see Jesus? You say, well, we're not going to mourn when we see Jesus. We're going to be fired up, excited. We're going to celebrate. We're going to be ecstatic, yeah. But the world's not. The world won't be excited. Jesus says the world will mourn at the sight of his coming. Because you know why? It means judgment. Verse 31. And he will send his angels with a loud trumpet call. And they will gather his elect from the four winds. From one end of the heavens to the other. Folks, the story of the wheat and the weeds is a story of judgment. And you remember how Jesus always kind of throws an unexpected twist in the story. The part where the servants say, hey, do you want us to go in and pull the weeds out? I think the people would have expected Jesus to have the owner say, yes, absolutely, go in and start getting those weeds out. And the owner says, no. Don't. Don't do that. Allow them to grow with the wheat. Let the weeds grow with the wheat. Until when? The harvest time comes. That's the end of the age. Do you ever wonder why Jesus just doesn't come on right now? I mean, don't you have days... Where you look at the world and you look at what's going on and you go, Jesus, what in the world are you waiting on? What are you waiting for? 
Why don't you just show up right now and get us out of this? Because it's hell on earth. Jesus says there's a time that the weeds and the wheat have to grow together in the field. And he says it's not time for them to be separated until the harvest comes. The disciples had the same kind of idea. If you look over in Luke chapter 9, there's an encounter that a conversation that Jesus has with the disciples in Luke 9, verses 51 through 56. I'm going to read those to you. It says, As the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus was close to the end of his ministry, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. And he sent messengers on ahead who went into a Samaritan village to get things ready for him. Look at verse 53. But the people... There did not welcome him because he was heading for Jerusalem. And then look what the disciples do, verse 54. When the disciples, James and John, saw this, they asked, Lord, do you want us to call fire down from heaven and destroy them? Don't you feel like that sometimes? Don't you look at the world and you see people reject Jesus? And the way the world just has turned their back on God. And you go, God, you want, us, you want us to just get rid of all them for you? Just take them out. How dare they do that to you? And that's kind of what James and John are saying in this. They're like, Lord, how in the world, how dare they refuse you like that? Do you want us to call down fire from heaven and just get rid of them? But look what Jesus does in verse 25. It says, Jesus turned and rebuked them for saying such a thing. He says, no, 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 no. Then he, then he and his disciples went into another village. And that's the end of that little story. It goes on to another one. They said, you want to, let's just get rid of them, Jesus. Let's just... Just end this. And he says, no. He rebukes them. He says, don't talk that way. Because it's not time. See, Jesus tried to go into this Samaritan town and he wasn't welcome. And the disciples wanted to just get rid of him. You know why Jesus rebuked them? You know why he said, no. No. That's not, that's not what you're going to do. I think one of the reasons is because their hearts were arrogant and not pure. You notice how they didn't say, Jesus, why don't you call down fire from heaven? They said, do you want us to do it, Jesus? Right? Do we sometimes get pious and prideful in our arrogance as Christians when we see the way the rest of the world has rejected Jesus and we, and we kind of puff ourselves up like, well, God, do you, do you need me to go in and take care of these people for you? Like, really? You think he needs you to accomplish his will in the world? He doesn't need you. But praise God, he calls you to be a part of it. But on his terms, not on yours. But here's the two big reasons, I think, that he rebuked them. One, because the time was not theirs to decide. 
right? It wasn't up to them to decide when the time was because they weren't the judges and the judgment was not theirs to make. The time was not theirs to decide and the judgment was not theirs to make. Here is what our, you say, well, what is our job? If we're the wheat and there's all these weeds everywhere, what is it that we're supposed to do? Here it is. The harvest will come. Our task is to prepare our own hearts, then tell the world how to be prepared. You say, well, what, are, what is our role? What is the role of the church in the world? That's it. But you know, before you can tell somebody else how to have their hearts prepared, you've got to make sure yours is. Don't, don't stand on the street corner and try to tell the rest of the world how to get their heart right with Jesus until yours is. God won't honor that. He won't honor that at all. See, we don't know when it's going to be. Jesus even said that the angels in heaven don't know when that time is going to be. And so it's not our job. It's not part of our task as the, as the servants that say, do you want us to go out in the field and start pulling the weeds? Jesus says, no. It's not, it's, it's not your time to decide when or how that's going to happen. Even though we would love to sometimes, wouldn't we? And we sometimes would probably get, and it shows our, our humanness, we would get this arrogant joy in being able to be the ones who could go out and pronounce judgment on the world. But Jesus says, it's not your job to decide when, and it's not your, time to, it's not your job to pronounce judgment. That's not your right. We are recipients of God's grace and mercy. And were it not for that, we would be judged along with the rest of the world. So he says, That's, it's not your job. But even though the judgment that's coming has not been given to us, the message of the judgment has been given to us. That is something that we have to proclaim. And I think that we do a, a huge disservice to people and I don't want to be that kind of preacher. But if we, if we as the church are trying to preach the gospel to the world without telling them what they are being saved from, then we're not really preaching the whole gospel. And you say, wow, judgment and hellfire brimstone damnation. Oh, that's, that, that stuff nobody wants to hear, Eric. Yeah, you're right. But it's part of the story. It's part of the truth. And if we preach a gospel that leaves that part out, it's not really the gospel. If I make an appeal to you to let Christ save you, it's not so that he can save you from your problems. It's not so that he can save you from your your poverty, or your lack of, of material things. It's, it's not that he saves you from your sadness or your gloom. Some people will preach that way, that the gospel is to deliver you from that stuff. And yes, of course, we experience joy and we trade, um, we, we trade mourning for gladness and all of these things that are part of being a Christian. But that's not why Jesus came to save you. 
He didn't come to save you from that stuff. He came to save you from eternal punishment. So if we're going to share the gospel with people, we have to tell them what's coming. If we don't, we're not telling the whole story. So look at what Jesus concludes in his explanation. In verse 40 of Matthew 13. As the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. Jesus is saying, when that judgment time comes, this is how it's going to be. In verse 41, then the Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will weed out of his kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. He's going to pull them out. He's, they're going to get rid of They will be his agents of judgment in the world. And they will throw them into the blazing furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Those are red letters there. Those are Jesus' words. He says, when the time comes, the weeds will be pulled and they'll be thrown in the fire. And there won't be any relief from it. Verse 43, and then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. And then he ends this explanation as he does with many others. Whoever has ears, let him hear. The owner of the field says to wait until the time of harvest. And you say, well, why is it that God waits? Why doesn't he just do it now? Because he loves people. That's why. Because he loves People, he loves them and he desires for them to see the truth. The full maturity of the wheat, just like in the field, the harvester says, Wait until the wheat is fully mature to be harvested. The full character of the kingdom of God will be seen when the gospel is fully grown and accomplished its purpose. If Jesus has not called for the harvest, that means the gospel is still at work in the world. That means he's not finished. And it's not come to its full growth. And the same identity is true about the weeds. As the weeds continue to grow and mature, the full nature of Satan's kingdom in the world will become more and more evident. And folks... uh, you have to understand and you have to agree with me that the longer this goes and the more these weeds begin to grow, the more they show themselves to be weeds. It, it, it just continues. And, and the distinction between people of the kingdom and people of the evil one is becoming more and more clear. And you say, wow, people of the evil one, that's kind of mean to say about people, isn't it? Well, that's what the scripture calls you if you're not in Christ. (laughs) The scriptures say that you are either 
a child of God or you're a child of Satan in the world. You're one or the other. There's no, remember we've said before, there's no neutral. You're on one side or the other. And until God calls for the harvest, it's our job to let that message be known. So this isn't a hard story to understand. It's a story of the reckoning. It's a story of the reckoning of all things and the judgment of all things and all people. And Jesus says in that text that, he, that the, the angels will weed out everything that causes sin and all of the people of the enemy, the people of the evil one. As much as it is a warning to how the kingdom of evil will come to total destruction and end, it's also a glorious story of rescue. It's a story of all who have believed in the one who has come to save and all who have surround, surrendered everything to, of themselves and traded it in for all he is. Can you imagine what the new heaven and new earth is going to be like with no sin? And nothing that Jesus says, nothing that causes sin in the world. So that those things are going to be done away with. And they'll be gone. And all the ones who follow the evil one will be gone. It's a beautiful picture of rescue and redemption and complete restoration of the world exactly the way God made it to be. So Jesus says there is wheat everywhere. But he also says that there's so many more weeds and they're hard to distinguish. So you say, well, what do we do? We just preach the gospel. That's what we do. And you say, well, you just preach it to everybody? Yep. That's what we're called to do. We're not, we're not the ones that are supposed to be going around and pulling the weeds out. Because he says, you don't know. You may not know the difference. And he tells that story not so you and I can walk around church or we can walk around our community and try to pinpoint, hmm, is that weed? Is that weed? It's for you. It's for you to discern, to figure out what you are in the field. And then make a decision of what your place is or what your place will be in the kingdom or not. 